Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Modern Day Wizards. I'm Callan, and today I'm joined by Omar of Watchers Talk. So he has a podcast, which I found on Odyssey. I've seen probably about a dozen of your kind of more recent episodes, and there have been some really interesting guests and lots of really interesting conversations. You know, I really enjoyed the ones with... um, I'm forgetting their names now, but uh, the one about Isa or Jesus appearing in different lands and have, have, you know, basically like really fascinating stuff. So that's just an example. Uh, I have kind of like a big topic that I want to get to today, but I do want to give you the chance to introduce yourself and give people a sense for what your show is about. So welcome, Omar. Thank you very much, Callan. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Uh, my name is uh, Omar. I am a uh, host of a, a YouTube channel called uh, Watchers Talk, uh, based out of uh, West Coast of British Columbia, Canada. And uh, I've had this channel for uh, about going into my ninth year now. And uh, I've had the opportunity to speak to uh, many, many, many enlightened people and have learned a lot. And I really see Watchers Talk as like a... Uh, a side effect of me raising my awareness and waking up from, you know, the blue pill, um, you know, slumber that I was in for my life. And uh, and then when I started becoming aware and realizing who and what I am, then uh, that fog began to lift and decided to start Watchers Talk. And uh, so really sharing my journey with people as I you know, raise my awareness and in the process, I'm helping them raise their awareness and, you know, discussing weird stuff and, you know, interesting stuff. Like you were mentioning, uh, Jesus, that was with, uh, Kiara Windrider and, mm. uh, Paul Anthony Wallace. And, uh, there's a lot of historical evidence to suggest that, uh, Jesus was in India and he was in Japan was in Tibet, uh, was in Ireland, in Scotland, in England, and in fact, even in America in itself. So it's, uh, you know, we talk about a lot of things, extraterrestrials, consciousness, uh, UFOs. Uh, like yesterday, I had a panel discussion about the social credit scores that are uh, happening in the Looking Glass and Georgia Guidestones. Mm-hmm. And I like to delve into all those kinds of things, right? Uh, modern mm-hmm. and historic. Because really, the goal is to try to understand where humanity came from, what we are, who we are, and what our potential is. Because in order for us to move forward, we need to understand where we come from so that we don't repeat the same mistakes as we did in the past, like civilizations going down, like Lumeria, Atlantis, and on and on we can go. Right, and those were some pretty mega civilizations. And, uh, you know, they allowed their greed and corruptness to you know, get onto them and they didn't wear their uh, modesty with, uh, you know, with a little, what's that word I'm looking for? Uh, you know, they weren't nice about it. Uh-huh. <laughs> Just, uh, let's say that. And, you know, and that's kind of where we are today as a society, right? And, uh, and I'd like to do my part in raising awareness so when people begin to understand who and what they are, then uh, they can begin to you know, make decisions for themselves that are not only beneficial for them, but as for the collective as well, for all of humanity, because we have to keep in mind that each and every single one of us is connected spiritually, consciously. We're connected to source because we are source and we're a projection of the source. So when we begin to understand that, then when we do healing work on ourselves and begin to heal trauma or bring happiness and joy to our lives, then we're actually bringing that to the entirety of humanity as well for all that exists now and have existed in the past and who will exist in the future. So when we begin to you know, perceive life in that manner, then you know our decisions begin to change. Right. And, mm-hmm. uh, and, and that's, that's really what my goal is. And that's the goal of Watchers Talk. And that's why I bring in all kinds of really cool guests like yourself. You're going to be coming on soon and, uh, you know, talk about some interesting things that people, you know, either don't have the opportunity to talk about or they're mm-hmm. in an environment where they don't have the opportunity to talk about stuff like this with their friends and family because they're all in a slumber and, you know, so this is a, a good avenue and a venue for people to come and 
discuss things like this in uh, in the live chat room. Like I hardly ever upload uh, videos, right? Most every mm-hmm. all of my stuff is live because I like the uh, I like the chat room and mm-hmm. the conversation that goes on in the chat room. And for me, you know, that's essential to the part of my platform because I want to highlight what people are saying and engage with them as well, right? Because sometimes I put a link into the comments and I invite people, my audience, to come into the studio and engage with me and talk with me and ask their questions face-to-face with me. And uh, sometimes they do and sometimes they don't because there's a lot of shy people out there, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Awesome. Great, great introduction. You're on point with so many things there and really it leads – uh, perfectly into where I wanted to get in this conversation. So basically, you've talked to many, many people over a long period of time. And so you have been exposed to all of these different ideas, right? And not all of these ideas are correct, but, you know, we kind of pool all these things in our minds and, you know, based on who said what and, and all and their credibility and whether or not we see them as a genuine person, all this type of stuff, you know, all this stuff you can't really logically think out. It's more of a, a, a big... Like, like a greater intelligence is putting all of this together. And so, like, you've had the opportunity to do that over a long period of time. And so I greatly respect your thoughts on all these things. And basically, I'd like to, to get a situation for humanities, their, basically their history, how we got to where we are now, and uh, basically, where are we and w- what can we expect in the future? So first question is, like, wh- how did basically, how did humanity get to planet earth right and if there was something before then what was that all about too you know yeah that's uh and that's a really really deep question alan and this story you know really goes back about uh you know 30 40 billion years when we really look at it and it all began in uh, lyra now this density that we live in this third dimension that we actually came here from a higher dimension, from the sixth dimension, and came down to the third dimension to experience this physical life, um, this carbon-based life, because when we go higher up in the etherical realms, we become light bodies and energy and diamond bodies, and so we don't have the opportunity to have this carbon-based body where we can sense the air and taste buds and things like that. So anyways, it began in uh, Lyra, and from Lyra, there was a seeding that took place, and that seeding went to Pallades and uh, as well as uh, Orion. And beyond that, not just in this galaxy, but in other galaxies as well, because there's trillions of galaxies in this uh, in this third density, but, you know, our focus is just simply here in our neighborhood. So when the seeding began, the seeding started, and uh, and then from Pallades is really where humanity, um, you know, migrated from, and the Palladians migrated from Orion. You know, it's kind of back and forth because the Lyrans broke off in two different uh, fractions. Uh, one was good, one was bad, and uh, the good ones kind of seeded the Pallades, the bad ones seeded the uh, Orion, and this they're called the Orion group. And humanity is actually Orion as well. Like I was, it's it's the same uh, you know vehicle that's being used in uh, in Orion as well as on Pallades. But anyways, from Pallades, we uh, migrated and uh, began to colonize that sector of space. And then after millions and millions of years, uh, we inched our way closer and closer and closer to this sector of space of Sol. That's the name of our sun and began to colonize this, uh, you know, solar system and this uh, neck of the, uh, th- this area of space. That's why we find a lot of megaliths on, uh, on, on Mars and uh, as well we find uh, monoliths and such on Mercury so close to the sun and uh, a lot of objects on our uh, moon as well. And if we do more study, I'm sure that we'll find other, uh, you know, artificial stuff on other moons and planets in our solar system. But anywho, mm-hmm. 
um, you know, we uh, got seated here on on Earth and Mars uh, really at the same time. Uh, two habitable planets uh, in the Goldilocks zone, both can uh, sustain life. And, uh, you know, so that went on for uh, a very, very long time. And then, uh, and then there was, uh, back in those days, there was actually uh, space travel between Earth and Mars. And we hear it in the Bible uh, on an ongoing basis, uh, you know, thundering rockets and, uh, you know, like uh, the wheel of Ezekiel. Uh, they land with thunder and, uh, you know, they take off with fire. You know, what we're seeing there is like, uh, you know, rocket technology. And, uh, and then when we really, you know, think deeper into that and think to ourselves, okay, well, why do they have rockets back in the day when uh, ET today has uh, these UFOs that you can't hear if they're hovering above your head? So that only tells me that technologically they were only advanced to a certain, uh, certain degree, right? Uh, not as advanced as uh, we see in UFOs today, but nevertheless, they were able to travel between two planets. And using crude technology, you know, as we are today, using crude technology, because we're trying to figure out anti-gravity and, you know, mm-hmm. things like that. So anyways, uh, we got seated here, and um, and then we kind of just existed for a very long time, and then there was a war uh, that took place between uh, the Earth and uh, possibly Mars or someone else. And uh, in the process, Mars was destroyed, and uh, whoever was living on Mars at the time uh, really uh, migrated to uh, to the Earth because, uh, you know, obviously Mars became inhabitable. Perhaps they went underground, and there's, a, you know, inner Earth type of civilization on Mars, and uh, some moved here. And there's evidence of those people here on Earth as well when we look around. We see the uh, elongated skulled people. Uh, not only do we find them in Peru, but we find them in uh, Russia. We find them in Asia. We find them in Africa. And, and these are not the ones that I'm talking about that, uh, you know, that are artificially created where, you know, some uh, villagers in Africa, they'll uh, tie ropes around the baby's head to create that elongated. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about, uh, you know, the original that has no sutures. And, yeah, they were basically uh, you know, trying to mimic the original people, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and I feel that those people were actually the ones from Mars and uh, and really found uh, habitat and safety here on Earth. And we hear about this story in uh, ancient texts like the Mahabharata, the Ramayanas, uh, in the Indian epics, and uh, as well as other, uh, you know, mythological stories around the world as well. And we see it in the Bible as well, in the uh, old King James uh uh, Bible and uh, there's uh, you know clearly uh, we're dealing with something that's extraterrestrial. Uh, more than likely, the uh, you know the Elohim uh, is mm-hmm. who we were at war with. But if we look at the word Elohim, Elohim is more of a plural, right? There's uh, more of them. Like the Elohim report to a fellow named the Elion. Right, so the Elion is someone who's higher than the Elohim. So the Elohim are actually just like the managers of this Project Earth, and you know, I would say that that's who we were at war with, and they were able to take us over. And, so they, uh, so that the 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 Anunnaki and the, and the whole thing, which I see is kind of spawning the Abrahamic or Judaic, which really goes back to ancient Egypt and Sumerian and Babylonian like histories but that's actually in a way recent history oh yes yes that's very recent and that's actually where humanity got hijacked and we are where we are these wars that i'm talking about took place millions of years ago right let's do uh let's back up a and just a, a little bit here before we get into the anunnaki here we first have to come to the awareness that humanity here on Earth is uh, billions of years old. Humanity has been here forever. And we can understand that through theosophy, through the root races. Now, when we look at the root races, the root races, this round of human goes back about 500 million years. And within that root races, we have sub races. And then we are a sub race of the root races. There's seven root races and we are in the, we're going into the sixth. Uh, so is this sub-race. like, 
like Lord of the Rings, like the elves and the dwarves and the hobbits and the humans type? Is that what you kind of mean when you're saying these things? No, I mean, uh, like the human being in itself through evolution on this planet as to, you know, how we became and what we are. Because when we were first seated here on planet Earth, we weren't seated as a physical body because the elements and the environment of the Earth back in those days was different. So we were seated here as an etherical body, as a, uh, you know, an energy body, a light body. And through that light body, those are known as the Hyperboreans. And that's the Hyperborean root race, the very first one that was seated here on Earth. And from that on forward is uh, where we began evolutionary to gain this physical body. Like in, in the Bible, for instance, when we uh, hear the story of Adam and Eve, right? the Adam and Eve story is really the story of the sexes being separated because prior to what we are today, the male and female, we were actually hermorphodite. We didn't have a sex. And the way humanity, humanity procreated was that we just created a baby. And, uh, you know, and the baby just kind of grew and then separated from us, like two cells coming apart, if you would imagine it. Mm-hmm. And that's where we're talking about the sexes of, you know, that's where the sex changed from male to female, where we didn't, where we needed a partner to go forth. Like, and then that's the story of Adam and Eve. But evolutionary, when we're talking about, we went from an etherical light body to a physical body of the one. And then from the one, we separated into the two of the male and the female to where we are today. So that's what I'm talking about when Okay. When I say the root races, right? And then within those root races are sub-races, right? And then this sub-race that we are today is the Aryan sub-race. And then we're going into the sixth sub-race of the uh, indigo. And the indigo is what's coming in, actually has been coming in since about the 40s and 50s. So but is what, sure determines, what determines a shift from one root race to another? Is it, is it about the souls that are incarnating into bodies or what is the determining factor there? Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's more based on the uh, distortion of the earth, the evolution of earth, the, uh, you know, where the earth is at in space. Uh, what type of energies are around. We look at that as the uh, processional cycle, right? The 25,000, 26,000-year processional cycle. And then we've broken that down into the zodiacs. And uh, and when the Earth is going through those phases and when the tilt is happening like this, there's different energies happening on Earth. So when those different energies are happening, those different ages are happening. And then those ages, right, as even discussed in uh, in the Bible, and even Jesus said, you know, my age will come to an end and a new age will begin. And those new ages, which he's talking about, are the processional cycles where the energy of the earth changes. So when the energy of the earth changes, then the incarnation that happens on the earth through these different soul groups is uh, is different, right? Because mm-hmm. we have because we have these individual souls, but our individual soul is uh, connected to like an oversoul, something that's much bigger. And then that oversoul is what's connected to the source, right? So we're, we're essentially like a holographic projection of that oversoul. And then we're here for a particular experience, right? And then that particular experience is to feel the five senses. I always say that we're here on a vacation, right? Because in our, in our natural body, in our natural form, we are energy, we're a thought, right? And we're nothing more than that. And then when we manifest and incarnate into this physical body, then we are able to experience the five, six, seven, 13 senses that we have. And we can, we can remember what it's like to be able to raise the hand and feel that wind going through you or smoking a pipe Callen or, you know, eating some food or, you know, skydiving and getting those Mm. butterflies, you know, those are the experiences, right? Because, you know, that's what we're here to do. We're here to experience the physicality of this, uh, this density. And so I call it a vacation. So I don't agree with all the wars and anger and, and stuff that we've had on this planet for the last several thousand years, because it was never like that. 
You know, we're, we're, we're a species of love and harmony and, and, and em- empathy. And, you know, we were hijacked in order to be in the state of mind that we are today. But now to get back to the Anunnaki, that's kind of what we're getting into. Now the Anunnaki, I feel, are part of, uh, you know, they're, they're a reptilian group, right? Uh, there's a lot of nice reptilian species out there. Like our world, our governments are in contact. Last I checked, was 153 different species uh, in in our uh, in our neighborhood. So the Anunnaki are one of those species, but you know they're more like reptoids. The reptoids are not good, right? And I feel that those are the ones that we engaged with back around 12,000 years ago because they're more than likely like soldiers, foot soldiers of the Elohim. And uh, they're here to do, you know, their dirty work for them. And then they're the ones that came here and genetically engineered us, uh, genetically tinkered with our our DNA to create us into what we are today. When we hear about these genetic stories of them, you know, I don't agree with, uh, you know, a lot of the Anunnaki uh, story that's out there that comes from Zachariah Sitchin. I feel this misinformation, but... Anyways, uh, I think they, when they, when they found us, they began to change us physically and mentally. And what I mean by that is that we have a reptilian brain, and the reptilian brain is the oldest part of our brain. And then that brain, part of the brain, is really what dictates the flight or fight aspect of us. And every living species has that. And I feel what they've done is they've genetically grown that piece of brain to be bigger than what it's actually supposed to be so that we are more reactive and more emotional towards things and are triggered much easily. And not only that, but they shortened our telomeres as well. And telomeres, what they do is that telomeres dictate how long we're going to live. Are we going to live 100 years, 500 years, 1,000 years? Because there was a time in human history when we actually lived an indefinite period of time. And the only way that we died was we just willed ourselves to die and said, okay, I've had enough. I don't want to be here. And poof, we were gone. And then after that, it kind of changed. And we lived like 100,000 years. And then it changed to 10,000 years. And changed down to, you know, several thousand years. And we hear about that in the Bible, you know, like Noah was like how old, like 700 years old when he had his first kids, you know, other, you know, I forgot his name starts with an M, uh, lived uh, like 900 years, 925 years. And this, this is very, very, very recent. And that's how we should be living is about that age. But when the Anunnaki interfered, they shortened those telomeres genetically so that we only have this life of a 100 years. And there's a method behind that madness because they understand the incarnation process that happens on this planet. So if you have beings that are living thousands of years or, you know, hundreds and hundreds of years, they're going to become really wise to what they're doing after a couple of few hundred years. They can't have that. So they need that incarnation cycle for a number of reasons. One is management. And second is that through shortening the telomeres, the incarnation process can be faster because they really rely on our energy as food because our energy is sustenance to them. They rear us like we rear chickens for food. And we'll get into that in a little bit here through the, uh, you know, the archontic bots is what I call them. But anyways, through the succession of abduction, and also when we look at abduction, UFO abductions, uh, 87% of abductees are women. Now, and that really makes sense. And as well, it's hereditary as well. So if you're a woman and you've been abducted, chances are your sister's been abducted, your auntie, your grandmother, your great-grandmother, and so on and so on, and your daughter as well, because there's this process that's been going on for thousands of years to genetically engineer what I just said, to shorten the telomeres even more so, because the faster rate of incarnation you have, the more energy, the more uh, radiant energy that you can feed off of through fear. Because when we look around the world, it's all fear-based. Everything is fear-triggered so that we respond to it. And then this is what their food is, and this is what they feed on. But the older we get, the wiser we become, and we don't trigger. We don't respond to it Mm -hmm. as well. So they want to shorten that lifespan even more so, so that we remain ignorant and unwise and continuously respond to these triggers and continue to feed them. 
You, so through this hereditary do, process, one sec. I want to want to ask how how do you see the first of all when do you think this actual genetic manipulation happened? You mentioned twelve thousand years ago, um, but some people think it was quite a bit before that, and then there was the flood about twelve thousand years years ago. And I'm also curious, what do you think? What were what was the methodology that they used for modifying the DNA? Was it like actually raising children with new DNA or is it like what they're kind of doing today in a way of injecting people with things which, you know, changes what they are genetically? Yeah, I would say that uh, this happened 12,000 years ago for a number of reasons. And one of the reasons is that prior to 12,000 years ago, humanity was very advanced. Uh, you know, we, we had technology that we, uh, you know, don't understand, and nor can we fathom, but we do know that they had, like, high crystal-based energy. Because when we look around the world and the megaliths that we see, uh, those needed, uh, you know, pretty advanced technology. And the mathematical and astronomical knowledge that they had was just beyond what we have today. So, you know, and then also, you know, we also have to remember during that time, we had Atlantis, the time of Atlantis that was happening. And Atlantis, you know, some people think that Atlantis was a city. You know, Atlantis may have been a city, but Atlantis was actually a period in time in human history when Atlantis was uh, advanced, uh, space traveling, uh, communicating with ET and, and uh, you know, collaborating with ET and, and very, very advanced. And because of that war that I was mentioning with the Anunnaki, I think what they did is that they're the ones that are responsible for directing the comet that hit the Earth that we call the Younger Dryas impact that happened here on Earth that caused the Earth to go into an ice age. And uh, and then I think it's through that because by, you know just not that long ago when abductions were happening, they weren't abducting like one person, right? They would actually abduct an entire village. And and there's a lot of stories of this where, you know, somebody was there one day and then they went to the next village over uh, right here in America. And, uh, you know, they would go to the next village over. And when they come back the next day, everybody in the village was gone, literally. And there's hundreds of stories like that from the Aboriginal. The entire village was gone. And when this person takes off to go and get help, a few days later, when he comes back, everyone's back and they have no idea what happened. Right. And then the dudes like, you know, and then there's many, many, many accounts of that in the United States, in Canada, in Asia and Africa, all over the world. But because of technology, because of the quick communication that we have today, they just simply can't do that anymore. So they abduct individuals, but randomly all over the world. That's why we see millions of UFOs in the sky every single month. And those are the ones that are engaged in taking us. And, you know, and you ask why the, you know, why the women? Right. Well, if you're going to genetically modify a species, you would genetically modify the woman's eggs because when, you know, when a woman is born, when a girl is born, she's born with X amount of eggs mm -hmm. that she can release through her lifetime. And those eggs degrade over a course of course of time. The older she gets, the, you know, the more wear and tear has happened on those eggs and, and uh, and things like that. So when you can get into the into that area where the eggs are kept, you can genetically modify those eggs to do what you want those eggs to do. Like we manipulate DNA today, so they can go into the eggs and you know say, okay, well we want to shorten the telomeres so that they only live 80 years. So boom, they, you know they shorten them. So okay, we want to enlarge the, uh, the the reptilian brain. I forgot what it's called now, but uh, you know we want to expand that. So that expands a little bit more. And then if you expand that a little bit more, that means that you have to take away from other parts of the brain because you just can't have like really clogged in there, right? It needs to it needs to make sense and when they take away those other things is and those other things are the abilities that we have Callan right they're taking away telepathy telekinesis uh, remote viewing things like that mm -hmm. right uh, where we can make a cosmic phone call to the other side of the galaxy and and have that communication as a medium or as a channel those are the things that they're taking away and we hear about that in the in the bible as well 
you know, and one particular is the story of Babel. Now, the story of Babel, in my opinion, is a metaphor to where they're saying that they could speak one language throughout the world at one time, and then the tower was destroyed. That tower, the destruction of that tower, is the genetic modification of our body avatar to not be able to do what it used to be able to do. Now, when they're talking about a single language, the single language they're talking about is the language of thought, the language of tele, you know, telepathy, where we can telepathically speak to anyone on the planet. You know, I'm sure that the regional areas had their physical dialects to speak. We have tens of thousands of languages across the planet. But the one language that they're speaking of is, I believe, it to be the language of thought, which would be telepathy. And then that's the ability that we had back in the day. And then through genetic manipulation, that's been taken away from us for that we respond to the uh, reptilian brain of response and trigger and fear. So for the part of me, because, you know, a lot of people that I come in contact with, they have, they still have these abilities to a certain degree. And, and to, to me, I've always kind of interpreted it as everyone has these and these certain people were born with maybe some greater aspect access to it than most people, or maybe their situation led them to develop them. Um, do you think basically, do you think it's a hundred percent that they manipulated us so that physically our brains aren't very good at doing this anymore? Or Absolutely. is it that we weren't educated and we were trained to believe that this stuff wasn't possible? Or is it like some combination of these two things? Both. It's, uh, I would say it's both because, uh, the people that are in charge of our, uh, societal structure are agents of these uh, Anunnaki. Um, you know, we hear about the story of the Chittahuri brothers, which is the same as Enki and Enlil. Uh, they're, uh, you know, one is good, the other one is bad. Uh, here in North America, we hear about the Transformers, uh, the tr brothers. Uh, one is good, the other one is bad. The Chittahuri, same thing. And what they've done is that when they phased out from uh, beyond our visual perceptional range. They still exist within us, but they vibrate at a different distortion. And because they vibrate at a different distortion, we can't pick that up. Our eyes just simply can't do that. But in place, they left managers, and those managers are what we call the blue bloods. And the blue bloods would be like royalty. Uh, lords and things like that, barons and, you know, extremely wealthy people. And those are the ones that create the system that we are engaged with, the system of education, finances, uh, you know, the political structure, all of that. They're the ones who are in charge of it. And then they appoint the people that they want in position that would carry out their agenda. And then those little managers down below, they carry out the policy of their higher-ups, and the higher-ups are taking orders from something that's extraterrestrial. And uh, they've uh, created this system to where it's a failure for a person 90% of the time. Um, regardless of what you're doing in life, uh, going to continuously struggle, 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 because that struggle creates low density, that it creates low energy, and then that low energy is what these things feed off of. Now, earlier I've mentioned the archontic bots. Now, what happens is that these archons, they umbilically attach themselves to you, and once you're, they're attached to you, they feed off of your fears and your negative energy. And you can get rid of them, but they're attached to all of us. And they create events and such in our lives that create us, cause us to react with negativity. And when we react with that negativity, they feed off of that energy. So the system that's created that we're engaging with right now are a little bit of both. Callan is, uh, is what I would have to say and just a little backstory on that too. The fact that when we, when someone becomes successful or they have, you know, a good idea, um, they're killed off. Um, <laughs> you know, they're killed off 
because their invention will bring joy to the world. Mm-hmm. And they don't want to bring joy to the world. They want to continue to have this cycle of fear that we live in, which essentially yeah. is food for them. Because if we all began to, you know, get along with one another and love one another and respect one another and have empathy for one another, then they would no longer have control and power over us and they would no longer have their food and they would starve to death. So, so basically everyone... they they have to create artificial scarcity so that we, it's like a crop, like if you stress out a crop in a certain way that it will bear more of the fruit that you're looking for. And so they're basically making our lives miserable because it's more fruitful for them. Do you think that the energy that they siphon from us could be useful to them if it weren't negative, but they just prefer it negative and so they they just do it that way? Or does it have to be negative to be useful to them? Yeah, no, it has to be negative for them because they distort at a different distortion. Right, um, you know, when we, when we go to these worlds and these intelligent beings, wherever they are, they're native to that planet and vibratory, they're connected to that planet. So their low vibration causes them to naturally behave in the way they are. They don't find anything bad in what they're doing. And just as there would be species out there that would feed off of the love energy because where they come from, the vibration of their planet causes them to behave in the way that they behave. So it's really based on the world that you actually come from and from what density that you come from as well because there's interdimensional beings that we are in interaction with as well. So if we're dealing with somebody from the fifth dimension, the sixth dimension, then we're dealing with someone in that has a higher awareness, a higher vibration. So with that higher vibration would come love, right? Like Jesus. Jesus would come from like the sixth, seventh dimension. And we clearly saw what he can do. And he was oozing love. But if you're coming from a lower dimension, then your vibratory state will be lower. Your mentality will be lower. And, you know, you would behave in that negative way. Okay. So... Basically, they, they're feeding off of us, and, you know, we as humans have a lot of potential compared to where we are. I mean, basically, we think where we are is normal, but uh, I'd, I'd be interested to set up a little bit of a contrast here. Let's, let's take a, I don't know what you would call them, but a humanoid, basically the same, the same body structure that you and I have, except they're, they're living on another planet, and they're, they haven't been fucked with. Right. Mm-hmm. So what what are their what is their life like? How long do they live? What are their relationships like? Like what are they focused on? I'm not quite sure. You know, it would uh, be as varied as um, as we are as individuals to their own experience to what they went to that planet to experience. Um, you know, my thought is is that we choose the world that we want to incarnate on. We choose the time line that we want to incarnate on. We choose our parents and uh, we choose uh, key experiences in life to experience so that when we leave here, we leave here with something under our belt, that experience, that human experience, but it doesn't necessarily have to be a human experience. It can be a Andromedan experience, or it can be a Syrian experience, or a Palladian experience, or a Lyran experience. You know, it just depends on how you wish to incarnate and what experience that you're after and what that world offers as uh, as a reward for you to <clears throat> incarnate on. Um, like this world, for instance. Uh, incarnate onto this world uh, is the only one that I can recall. But <laughs> anyways, uh, this one, uh, you know, the uh, food is good. People are great. Uh, you know, the blue marble is absolutely stunning. And uh, and everything that this world has to offer is, is beautiful, right? Uh, I don't have aspirations of becoming a billionaire or a millionaire. You know, I actually prefer to be a millionaire because with that, you know, I don't have any responsibilities. I can just solely just concentrate 
on my family, my human experience, and what I want to get out of life by interacting with people and raising my awareness of things that I didn't know yesterday. And, you know, I, I would assume that the same would be for anyone else that's born anywhere else. Now, if they weren't, uh, you know, fucked with, then, you know, it would biologically, you know, it would be really based on that, on how long they live. They could really live like a mosquito for like 24 hours, or they could be like a turtle that lives for, you know, six, seven, eight hundred years, maybe even longer. You know, who knows? It's, it's infinite possibilities. And within that infinite possibilities is the stream of consciousness that interacts with those possibilities. And it's up to us which possibility we want to incarnate and to pursue and to experience. And as long as we do it non-maliciously with love and empathy and understanding and with respect, um, you know, anything is possible, my brother. You know, you just got to have respect and love for each other. So what do you see? I mean, we're in a situation now where, I don't know, it depends how, if you if you really pay attention to history, you can, you know, even the last, you know, 100 years, you can see that it was always looking like someone at that time could say, oh, it's getting really serious now. Like, they're really ramping things up, you know, you know, World War One, World War Two, the Vietnam War. Every, every, you know, every generation has multiple instances where it seems like they're ramping things up. But in a sense, I would say even if that's the case, it still seems like they're a little bit ramping something up right now. So what, what do you think is going on in the world at the moment in terms of these I don't know, interferers. Well, my star brother, that's a, a good question. And that uh, we can time travel back to 1871. And uh, we can go to a guy named Albert Pike. And Albert Pike was a 33 degree Mason. And uh, he wrote a letter to a friend of his. And his name is Giuseppe. I forgot his last name, but he was based out of Italy. And he also was a 33-degree Mason. And when Albert Pike wrote him this letter, in that letter, he had outlined World War One, World War Two, World War Three, and everything in between, hmm. part of the Masonic uh, agenda as to uh, to take over the world. Now, World War One happened just on time and exactly with whom... The letter had uh, said it would, World War II, same thing, uh, exactly with whom uh, they said it would be. But a lot of people don't understand that, you know, even though what World War II, what it was, but Hitler was actually a, uh, you know, he's a Rothschild. Uh, he's a bastard son of uh, one of the Rothschilds from back in the day, and they really financed his war. Uh, with, uh, with the rest of Europe and Russia, but that also was, uh, written in the letter and the Third World War as well. And if we go back to 1947, we got a guy by the name of George Orwell who wrote a book called 1984. And in that book, 1984, he outlined exactly what was going to happen in the coming future. And that is exactly what is happening today. You see, what they're trying to do is they distract us with one hand while they lay out policies with the other hand, and they want to create these smart cities and autonomous cars and things that can drive themselves and things like that. And because we're so trigger-happy, we jump into that fallacy and say, oh, how cool is that? Uh, you know, I'd love to have a car that just drives by itself. I can smoke, drink, sleep, screw. I can just do whatever I want, and the car will take me wherever it wants to go, you know, and that's the you know, a mentality of the average mortgage pair. And, and, and that's kind of what they're depending on because if we go into our city's website and uh, go and dig through that, what you'll find is Agenda 2021. And in that Agenda 2021, it outlines what the Georgia Guidestones were all about. And every single city has that. And what they're trying to do is corral us all into cities, into big concrete jungles with cars that drive by themselves, and we're all happy about that. But when we want to go camping and leave that city, that car's not going to work outside that city on the highway because they're not going to allow you 
to go on that highway. Now you have to ask permission. So now you're stuck in this open prison. And uh, and that's kind of what they want. And, uh, you know, they're rolling out 5G. They're uh, spraying us like bugs uh, through uh, chemtrails. And then now they put this experimental stuff into us, which actually is, uh, you know, it has the ability to charge itself through a little product called graphite that's inside these, uh, this little jab. And through this nanotechnology, it can assemble itself to become a small nanobot. And then that nanobot can receive instructions through 5G to do what it needs to do. It can transmit and receive information. But if it receives information to give you, say, a stroke, then, uh, you know, you get a stroke. And not only that, but now we're going into the social credit system. And that social credit system, if you're a bad behavior and uh, and you're dangerous to society because you like to raise awareness, then they're going to activate those bots. That's why these people are adamant on you getting fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, tenth, because they need to get that technology in you so that you become part of that smart city. And if you're not behaving, they can track you through that stuff. And uh, that's really what we're coming into. But there is good news, my brother, because the Hopi talked about the uh, the prophecy of the splitting of the timelines where humanity will have a choice. One choice is, is that if they make the right choice, then they'll have a timeline of abundance and love and respect. But we have to be full of love and respect towards one another and for ourselves in order to manifest that timeline and to foster it into the future. Or we can be fear-based and uh, and continue to acquiesce and give up our rights and give everything up and corral ourselves into the cities, then that's going to be a life of destruction, war, famine, disease, and uh, suffering, where it's going to be lack of love. So it's really up to us. Now, the media wants to show doom and gloom all over the planet, just bad, 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 bad. But if we really understand the nature of humanity, 99% of the people are good. Now, if I needed help, I'm sure my next door neighbor would help me. And if they can't, I'm sure they'll find someone who can. And same here. If my neighbor came to me and needed help, I would help them or I would find someone who can help them. And everyone is like that. The media just wants to show us that everyone is bad. Bad shit is happening all over the world because they're archons themselves, right? They're mouthpieces of the government, just a little propaganda machine. And they want us to be in this fear-based reality. They, you ever watch the news and they give you like a 30-second happy news clip at the very end of the news broadcast and the rest is doom and gloom, right? When they can actually have like all love-filled stories throughout the day and just give you that one little tidbit at the end and say, oh, by the way, this happened. And then end the newscast to create mm-hmm. that love vibration. But that's not their job, right? They, they want us to think that everyone hates everyone and that no one trusts anyone. But that's not the case. You know, you go walking out on the highway right in the middle of nowhere and walk up to a house and see if you get help or not. And then they'll answer, you know, your question as to the benevolence of humanity and people. Mm-hmm. Right. So never believe the media. Right. Uh, so but- you, you mentioned the, the two timelines. Do you see it as a situation where it's either going to go one way or another and everyone will go down whatever way it goes down or that everyone who basically chose to pursue the path of, you know, humanity pulling through this and, and getting back to its, its birthright, right? You know, basically redeveloping our ability to live long lives, uh, redeveloping our ability to con- connect very deeply emp- empathetically with other human beings and be able to even communicate without language and stuff like that. Like by choosing to act in a way where you're, playing your part in bringing around that world are you are you going to go therefore into that split timeline and everyone who made the other choice will go into the other split timeline right you get the question is it do we all go one way or do we actually split i think what's going to happen is that 70 to 80 percent of the population is going to ascend there's a solar flash that's uh happening and that solar flash is going to come through our sector of space and cleanse us. And when that cleansing happens, then it's going to be like the separation of cells. Um, I call it the railroad effect, where you're on two parallel rail- railroads, and as you progress forward, they begin to inch apart from one another, and then soon you can't see them, and they can't see you. 
And I think the same thing will happen when it comes to the perception of reality on this world is that those of us that are on this path of ascension and awareness are going to continue to move forward. But in time, we're just not going to be interacting with the people who are not on that timeline. And eventually, over a course of thousands of years, the earth will split into two, not physically, but spiritually and perceptionally, it will split into two where you have two harmonized groups that are living together, but you know, don't have any communication with one another because the one that's doing bad is doing what they're doing is bad. But those that are in love and doing love things are not going to really want to interact with the other side. And, you know, I, I think that's the way it might be. Two physical Earths might be possible in some parallel timeline where when we begin to incarnate, those who made the right choice or want to make the other choice will incarnate on some particular different parallel timeline. And then those who didn't will, um, you know, come into another parallel timeline where it's just destruction. And again, it's just based on experience and what type of experience the soul is really after. Because when we look at this world, it's just a single pixel in a much, much bigger picture. And it really comes down to the experience that you want to have. Now, do you have plans of reincarnation, of coming back? then it would make sense to incarnate on a parallel to which one do you want to experience? Do you want to experience the good or the bad? You know, and, and I think that's how it is. And, you know, and as I was saying earlier, you know, majority of the people are good. So 70 to 80% of the people that don't have fallacies in their mind, that don't have, uh, you know, bad thoughts in their mind that are not greedy and are based on love and work from the heart space, I think those people will ascend. And uh, the ones that are tied to material and, uh, you know, and, and identified with the body and to the self, then, uh, you know, they're really, you know, vibrating at a low density so that they would exist on a low density, low vibrating earth than, uh, than the person who's vibrating a little bit higher because vibration matters. Right, because if you're vibrating too fast on a planet that's, uh, you know, let's say if your, you know, planet is vibrating like this, like a heartbeat, but you're vibrating like that, it's not going to po be possible for you to exist on that planet because the vibration doesn't match. So your vibration has to match the planet, right? But if, say, the planet is moving like this, but your is like that, just extremely slow. Then again, mm -hmm. it's not going to be physically. You're not going to be able to be able to vibrate on this. Yeah, it's it's like it's like music. Uh, a chord is the root and the fifth and yes. the third together, and those all fit together. They're not the same, but they all play together really well. There's That's a certain right. level of harmony, and there's a certain level of flavor depending on which note. But there are some notes which just never ever resonate with whatever key you're playing in. And uh, like the tritone, right in the middle, the perfect, the like devil's note or something like that. Basically, it the reason it sounds so horrible is because it never would ever at any point resonate with the, the root. So you're basically saying, yeah, someone on a planet that doesn't resonate with them is like they're like just kind of out of tune with the scale of yeah. the, their location. They may simply even phase out like immediately, uh, like we see in the uh, Mandela effect. Uh, where timelines and parallel universes crisscross one another and things change. Uh, we're seeing a lot of that happening, in fact, uh, right across the world in uh, 411, uh, where people are going missing in forests and uh, things like that uh, by the hundreds of thousands. Uh, you know, you could be standing there and then turn around and the person's gone. They're just simply gone. Uh, and these reports are coming in all over the world. And, you know, like I said, there's hundreds of thousands of them. So, you know, it, it could be like, you know, like a form of a rapture, uh, you know, where, you know, your vibration density just doesn't, you know, match the earth anymore and puff, you're gone. And that would also indicate that we're interacting with some sort of a matrix, uh, with some sort of a programmable uh, you know, hardware, software to which, you know, our consciousness is connecting to this body avatar and this body avatar is just simply an antenna that's connected to the, 
uh, you know, to the computer, so to say, you know, like your charger would be in a wall so that it can be charged, um, you know, so it would also explain to that. So, you know, it could be various things, but we see it happening and we've seen it happen in the past and I'm sure we're going to continue to see it. Uh, like I said before, you know, there's infinite possibilities and maybe the earth will split into two and uh, and then there'll be two worlds. One will be just getting their ass kicked while the other ones are making love, drinking wine and uh, mm-hmm. enjoying themselves. You know, who knows? Yep. <laughs> so I don't know how much how much time you have. Do you have a time for a, like a little bit more of a, an extension? Yeah, yeah. Let's, let's oh. keep rolling. Okay. I like it. So I, I'm curious. So we basically, I think we understand how we got here, what the current situation is, and even sort of what the what the solution is in a way from our, an individual perspective. Um, on a broader perspective, what is our situation in general in regards to other local humanoid or, I don't know, maybe not even humanoid, just intelligences, which have good intentions for humanity, are aware of humanity's situation and are maybe limited in how they can assist, but would assist to the greatest extent that they are able. Like, is there any of that going on? Um, I talk to a lot of people that say that's what's going on, uh, where there's multiple ET groups that are working with people and giving them information to help other people. Governments are, um, you know, contracted with ET, um, 13 different ones to where they're operating with them. Uh, but, you know, it, my my personal opinion on the matter is that nobody's coming to help us. Uh, we're here. We have to be self-sufficient and we need to sustain and grow ourselves up and not look for a handout. Um, you know, it's, it's, to me, it's a fantasy that, you know, willy nilly, ET is going to show up and all of a sudden we're going to have this technology and hunger is going to go away. Corruption is going to go away. And suddenly we're going to be in a Star Trek world. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I hope that happens, but. I'm not going to bet my eggs on on that, right? I think we need to just be more self-sustained, grow up and understand what's happened to us, the trauma that our civilization has gone through with these genetic manipulations and the control that we've been under, and to snap out of that and to, uh, you know, go back to the source, to the heart space and express love because that's really what we are. You know, if ET really wanted to help us, Callan, uh, they would have, uh, they would have stepped in in World War One when we were using gas weapons against one another. Uh, they would have stepped in in World War Two when 120 million people were murdered and two nuclear weapons were dropped. Uh, you know, they could have stepped in at any time. They could have stepped in in Vietnam when we were manipulating the weather to flood out the Vietnamese. Uh, you know, we, you know, they could have stepped in at any, any time at the Great uh, Depression. They could have stepped in at that time to feed us mana so that we don't uh, starve to death. Right. Mm-hmm. But that didn't happen. The only time that anything really happens with E.T. is when it's an E.T. self-preservation. Uh, we hear about E.T. shutting down our nuclear weapons uh, when they're in the area. But when they take off, those nuclear weapons come back on. If they meant uh, benevolence for us, they would just simply deactivate those nuclear weapons and and leave them like that. But they don't. They turn them back on after they leave. They shut them off because they know that we'll use them against them. And and then after that, you know, so I don't think anyone's coming to help. There might be people that are channeling information and they're – able to you know share that information with other people but it's not on such a mass scale to where every other person is being channeled information so that they can help themselves and help others it's just very random here and there so you know at the end my brother i think we just need to be self-sustained and understand what we are who we are what's happened to us and learn from that 
and, you know, make a vow that that will never happen to us ever again and move forward with high vibration. And that's really all we can do because love at the end of the day will prevail. You know, light never negotiates with darkness. Where there's light, there's illumination, and that's how we need to be. Yeah, great, man. Yeah, I mean, even if even if someone were coming to help us, they we would in order for the help to even be successful, like we would have to be doing our part down here, right? No yeah. matter what, that has to happen. And so it's just like there's no real point in focusing any of our attention on this hope that someone is coming to save us because that's just taking our attention away from doing our part, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's Anyways, I think that's I think that's a great message to end on. And if people me, want to, what's that? Let me Go hit ahead. you with let me just hit you with one last thing, Kellen. Um, it has happened in the past, and the last time it happened, it wasn't good news for the humans. Uh, when we look at the King James Bible, we see this group Elohim that's at work, and the Elohim are not very nice. Uh, they want you to annihilate the village next door, everything that's living, including the pets and the animals. And they want to be worshipped, and they're in competition with one another and use humans as pawns to carry out uh, their need their, for gratification. So I hope that we actually never come in contact with them. <laughs> ever again because last yeah. time it wasn't good news right yeah so, it certainly yeah. feels like we it definitely an alien species could have a bad effect on us and we would hope that most wouldn't but of course some would but then it's like well every group is going to be acting for their own benefit ultimately and every group is not going to think much of some random species on some random planet so it's just like it's just even if they're not like here to to do us harm, you know, it's we're not like their chief, chief focus. You know, it's not like what we're not like what they're all about. So <laughs> they know we exist, but uh, yeah. you know, I think it's more like the uh, Vulcan Vulcans from Star Trek to you know where we're just simply not advanced enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, mentally as a society, uh, spiritually, uh, technologically. Uh, you know, we're just an ant on the hill and, you know, they'll use us for what they need to use us for. And, and that's it, you know, and we, we just simply need to say every single day when we wake up and when we walk into the bathroom, every one of us does that in the morning. And when we walk in, turn the lights on, there's a great big mirror that's looking at us. And when we look in that mirror, which all of us do, you know, utter the words, I love you. I have gratitude for you. Thank you. Because when you give yourself gratitude and when you give yourself love, you're giving everything else that exists love and gratitude as well. If we go to Dr. Emoto, recently passed away, but he had a groundbreaking science where he discovered that water holds memory and that water reacts differently to different intentions and affirmations. And when you give love affirmations and positive affirmations, the water behaves in a different way where it crystallizes and becomes crystal clear crystals. But when you utter the words, I hate you, I loathe you, I don't like this, I hate that, things like that, then that water deforms. And that water doesn't work at its capacity as to what it should be. Now, when we think about ourselves, we are a little mini ocean on this planet. We're 70% water. So just imagine all day long when we say, you know, when we have like say, uh, you know, road rage or yelling at somebody as we're driving or looking at someone and we're judging them or saying, I don't like that, I don't like this, I hate that, I hate this, the damage that you're doing to the water that's within your body. But if you wake up in the morning and you look at yourself in the mirror and give you gratitude, give yourself love, then that water begins to slowly shift into crystal clear crystals and then your energy begins to resonate even that much more. And that's what we all need to start doing because once we all start doing that, then the perception of ourselves begins to change towards others as well. Yep, and you are going to be affecting the waters of the people around you and they will be affecting the waters of those around them. 
and that will that will include all of the animals and the plants and everything mm-hmm. you know that's made everything. of water and like you said expand to the to the entire planet and really imagine a planet like earth which is so full of water it could it could resonate very very strongly you know and oh, yeah. we could take it any way that we wanted it to but we could take it to a really cool place all it takes is three words and that's it nice. <laughs> beautiful man thank you you're very welcome. Okay. Thanks for having me, Kellen. Sure. So if people want to check out your stuff, where where should they go? I am uh, very active on my YouTube channel, Watchers Talk, and uh, as well on my Telegram that uh, I am uh, you know building and interacting on. And uh, whatever I put on YouTube just gets automatically mirrored onto Odyssey. And, uh, you know, so Odyssey is like my backup channel. And just in case, you know, YouTube does something. And uh, so everything is uploaded there. And those are the three places you can find me. Um, I do Facebook, but, you know, I'm transitioning away from that and really, you know, simply just focusing on Instagram and YouTube. And that's and my website, projectionofview.com. And uh, and that's it. Okay, awesome. And uh, yeah, this is a great talk, man. I, I hope you'll come on again, and I'm looking forward to coming on your show. I'm not sure what we'll talk about. I'm not totally an expert on on really anything, but yeah, happy to come on your show and talk about whatever you want. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Looking forward to it. You know, just a conversation like we had today. Um, you know, just to understand reality and uh, understand our experience. And that's what Watchers Talk is about, is to share your experience and things that you've learned and what your awareness and what you're aware of. And, um, you know, and then hopefully that'll enlighten someone else because what you've experienced is different to my experience and someone else's. And, and it's good to learn from one another. And that's really what Watchers Talk is about. There's no you know, like a sole topic that I talk about, I just talk about really everything because, you know, I want to understand who we are as as a people and to understand your experience and listen to your story, you know, will, you know, be, will be beneficial to me because then I can look at my story and say, oh, wow, you know, you know, it's like that. It's just uh, makes for a good experience. Awesome. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to ch- to coming on. So, anyways, we'll we'll see you again then. Thanks for coming on, and uh, yeah, take it easy. Thank you, brother. Love you. See you next time. Bye. Thanks for watching. If you'd like to see more content like this, head on over to moderndaywizards.org. And if you're wondering how can you be a wizard, well, all you got to do is seek truth and share it.